Good morning. I want to give you a couple of instructions. Our choir leaves the platform and our praise team comes to join me here. And that is that uh, following the service today, uh, there will be some men stationed out front to receive offerings as always. But we're receiving a love offering for uh, Brother Francois um, this morning as you leave. There are some, um, there are some, uh, what do you call them, Ken? Envelopes. Envelopes in the, in the pews. The pews. And so you can just take one of those and, and mark Francois Carr on that and make, uh, you can make your check to the church because we're going to write one check in a while. So if you'd please do it. Pastor Ken, would you come and lead us in prayer before we sing this morning? Church, let's pray together. Father, we come to you and We just thank and praise you for who you are. Thank you that you loved us. Thank you that you showed your compassion for us through Jesus. Thank you that you demonstrated that love for us. And that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness today. Thank you that we've been set free and made new in you. And God, we pray that you will continue Uh, transforming us and renewing our mind. And uh, God, we pray that as a disciple we would follow Jesus and that we would continually be changed by Him. Father, we pray that Your mission would become our mission. And God, that we would join You in the most wonderful mission of all. God, thank You for this weekend. Thank You for truth. Thank You for Your Word. God, I pray for Brother Francois as he speaks to us again in this hour. God, that you would just give him a fresh anointing. And that, God, we would truly hear from your heart today. God, thank you for Scott. Thank you for these musicians and singers. Uh, God, we pray that you will just just overwhelm us, God, as we just lift our voices up to you. And, God, I pray that even in our giving today, God, that we would just worship you. For you are truly worthy of our worship today. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We praise you. Come and meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand together as we lift our voices. We're going to sing two uh, familiar hymns today. So would you stand as we sing? Yeah. 
Thank you, Scott and Brother Ken. It is good to be with you this morning, and it's good to be together with God's people in the house of the Lord. It's always wonderful to be together and worship because we have this promise that the Lord gave us and said that where two people are gathered together in his name is that he will be in their midst. It's not just to speak, but at the same time to listen to what God has in his heart even for us as we worship together and as we deliver what God has laid upon our hearts for today. So I'm looking forward not just to be with you, but also at the same time what God has in mind for me in such a time as this that we are living in. You know, the Lord Jesus, one of the ways that Jesus was training his disciples was always to ask a question. In fact, when you look at the Gospels, you find that Jesus asked 339 questions in the Gospels. So we need to learn how to ask a question. And some of these questions was very convicting. And some of the questions that Jesus was asked was asking his disciples or the people that he encountered was to lead them, to guide them, or somehow just to bring them to a place where they can make a decision to follow him or just to make a decision how to personalize a truth in their own lives and heart. And I want to speak to you this morning about a question like that and some thoughts that I believe God has laid upon my heart. See, if you have the Bible, we can turn together and read from God's Word in Mark chapter 10. It is the well-known passage that speaks about Jesus heals the blind man called Bartimaeus as he was entering into Jerusalem. Just a few verses of Scripture together and then the question that Jesus asked him. Let's read together from verse 46. And now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out, All the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, this question, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that means teacher, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. 
Let's just read those few verses together. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the time that we can spend together as your people. And we do acknowledge and confess that this is your people. This is your building. This is your book that we have read from this morning. This were the hymns that you have given to us that we sang together. And this is your hour. You have initiated this moment. You've raised us up. You've brought us here together this morning. And as we are waiting upon you, we do not pray asking you to speak to us as we wait for an encounter with you. The moment that we have responded this morning and made our way to this building, the encounter with you have already started. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would just open our hearts and minds and ears and that you would help us to listen and listen very carefully and and paying attention to the prompting of your Spirit and those things that you want us to see this morning and that you want us to understand. And, Father, I pray that even as we speak that you would help us to apply the truths of the word to our hearts and as we leave this place that we would leave different this morning than we came not just because of the reading of your word and an encounter that we had with you but because we have responded to what you have initiated in our hearts and may it pleases you then as we leave this place that you would use us to become a blessing and a benefit for those people that you have uniquely brought into our lives in such a time as this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just before I came to the USA, one morning in my quiet time, I was reflecting on this question for myself. And as I was looking at this question, a thought that came into my heart was, what is the deepest, deepest longing from my heart in that given moment? And I want to ask that to you this morning. What is the deepest, deepest, deepest longing from your heart right now? And sometimes you and I would look at this question and the answer will be because of an immediate need or an emergency that you and I might have. Let's just take that emergency for a moment and say, Lord, I need to have some money that I can pay the bill that is on my table for today. And so my need and my longing for you is to provide. And God just kind of looked down and said, okay, Francois, you want me to send you some money and some provision? There it is. Now I have provided for you. What else do you want me to do for you? Lord, as I am preparing to preach, I need some wisdom and some guidance. And so I'm praying and said, Lord, would you please give wisdom and guidance? And he said, okay, there is wisdom and there is guidance for you. What else do you need? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And so as I reflect upon the one thing after the other, and the immediate needs, one after the other comes and goes as you put them on the table, if it's health or 
or is it finances, or is it uh, people to be saved and to be born again, irrespective of what it is this morning, one after the other, all the things that you might think about this morning. And God said, okay, Scott, I got that. I'll provide for you. What do you want me to do for you? And so, it's almost like taking an onion today. If you go back home, take an onion back home, and if you start to peel the onion, it's layer after layer after layer, until you get to the very center of the onion, the deepest, deepest part of that onion. It's almost like God coming to us this morning and said, what do you want me to do for you? And, and we think about the program for today and the meeting for tomorrow and, and the book that must be written and whatever it is that you have in your heart. And, and God kind of looked at you and said, I've got this. Let me do this for you. And, and now that you have that, what can I do for you? And is there one question like the layer after the layer, one that comes to your heart, to bring you to that inner center core longing and desire? What is the deepest longing from your heart? And I remember a few years ago as I was teaching in Jericho, we went up with a cable car to the top of the bound of temptation. We spent some time together. We had a group there of about 65 from the USA. I remember... We were standing there on the Mount of Temptation. And as I was there, I asked this question. What is the deepest longing from your heart today? And I remember I talk about Jericho and talk about Psalm 23. And there are so many things that you can see from there. But as we went down with the cable car to the bottom of Jericho, a man came to me. And he said, Francois, that question that you ask on the mountain, can I talk to you about that? And so I was sitting in the restaurant, it's called the Temptation Restaurant, and we ordered something to drink and to eat, and we started talking. I kept the bus, we had two buses there, I kept the buses back for a while, and I can chat with this man, a man from Jericho, a Palestinian. And so we sit and we talk. And he said, the question that you asked this morning, I said, yes, sir. What is the deepest, deepest, deepest longing from your heart right now? You know what he says? That I want to know that if I die today, that I'm right to meet my maker. The longing from his heart. And so we sat in Jericho and I explained the way of salvation and then we prayed together. And to see how this man's face and life changed right before me because of the peace that came into his heart. And ever since that time and that day we still have contact. And then COVID came and we had lost con less contact since then. But that was the question. And it's the same question that Jesus is asking you today. If we can go through all the outside things of this little onion and questions and short-term desires and emergencies and needs that we have. And you come to this place, the inner core, your heart today. What is your soul longing for today? Your soul deep inside here. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart and mine, He has 
specific things that he wants to do and needs to do and will do. And the first one is to remind us all the things that Jesus said in the book of, in the Gospels. And, and then he will explain to us how to live in all the letters of Paul and that you can read about. And then he talks about the things which is coming, the book of Revelation and what's lying ahead for most of us. But part of his job is to illuminate and to convict and to change and but he's the one that has come to live inside here. And, and as we start to develop and as we grow in our faith and walk with God, he's the one that puts inside within your heart and my heart a longing to come to this place where we have only one desire, and that is to be with Jesus and to know him. And how do I know that? You know, in this passage of Mark chapter 10 that we read together this morning, there was a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. He's a beggar that he's sitting in Jericho. And if you look at this passage and you look at the passage in Luke chapter 18, you find there's basically two Jerichos. There's the old city of Jericho and then there's the new part of Jericho, which you can see today when you're up in the mountain, the area, because in the new part, all the rich people were living, and also the king, King Herod's palace was there. But there's the old part and the new part. So Jesus was entering into Jericho, and then he met Zacchaeus on the, on the tree, and, and then he went out, and he's about to enter into the new one, because he lived in that place. So if you look at these passages, you will see there's, there's two parts of the same city with a little bit of a break inside. So you go from the one to the other one. So it's not so confusing when you think about this. But as he was about to enter, Jesus, remember now he can only do and say and go to places where his father taught him to be. He found a great multitude that was there and also a beggar. And then he asked the question, the beggar, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. I want you to look at verse 47. When the beggar heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he called out, and cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard, it was Jesus. You know, when you look at this passage and you, and you go to chapter 1 from Mark and you read verse 5, that the Bible said all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River. When John was baptizing people, and John was also the one that was baptizing Jesus at that place just outside of Jericho, which is about eight miles from this place where this man was sitting. Now, if there's a huge crowd getting together, you'll find the beggars also going to the crowd. Because that's where the people are. That's where the money are. That's where the food are. So if you are a beggar, you will go to the place where the crowd is going. So this man was also probably at the Jordan River at the time of John the Baptist, when he was baptizing Jesus. But then something amazing must have happened there. Because if you read the scriptures. The Bible says heavens just opened. And a voice spoke from heaven. And said this is my beloved son. When the father spoke about Jesus. And then maybe people talk about the commotion. Because they saw a dove just coming down from heaven. And just sit on the shoulder of the Lord Jesus. And. I just love that passage in the book of John. The Bible says, and he remained on him. The Holy Spirit came to Jesus visibly and remained on him. You know, when you look at that, you sometimes you think about the difference between a dove and, and a pigeon. The Bible says a dove came to sit on Jesus and stayed with him. 
But if you think about a dove today, it's so sensitive. If I look at the dove and you kind of move, the, the dove will become uneasy and then if you get closer it will fly away. And, but not a pigeon. If you compare those two things, of two birds with one another, you'll find that a pigeon is, is noisy and, and loud and always fighting and will jump into to eat first, but a dove will kind of be sensitive and quiet and be just reserved and be away. And It's amazing that the scriptures tells us that a dove came down from heaven and sat on Jesus and stayed. So I guess they talked about this because it's something that has never happened before. A dove. When you look at the, the line of doves and pigeons, you find five or six different ones in the States and South Africa and worldwide, and not just the white one that we see. It has specific characteristics that you can study. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say, when the Spirit of God comes to you, we walk. But if you sin, he, he runs away on horseback. But he stays with Jesus. Jesus did nothing to cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved. It reminds me of the story of Sandy and Bernice that were missionaries in Jerusalem many years ago. And, and uh, Sandy told her husband, he said that, uh, I noticed that every morning there's a dove that came to sit on our window. And, but I noticed something, she said, that every time that you and I raise our voices and we speak loud with one another, that there's an uneasiness in the duff and the wings are kind of flapping and then he flies away. and He comes back the next day but he's not happy so he left. Or if we slam the door and he kind of flies away. So she said either you and I need to, to change the way that we are talking to one another that the duff can stay or the duff must adjust himself to our way of living and become part of our way of doing things. And then she said, you will not change, you and I need to change. Jesus did nothing to cause the Holy Spirit as he came down to sit on him to be uneasy. So when you and I speak loud to our spouses and raise our voices and point the finger, there's an uneasiness, a flapping of the wings. And sometimes as you and I continue talking like this and, and just another day and another day, I wonder if the Spirit of God is not grieved and have left. What's something on television with profanity inside, nudity and sex and violence? Is the wings flapping when we do that? On Netflix, all the words from, oh my God, and F-U, and S-U, and... Does he stay? Or is he uneasy, and has he left? And there we sit as Christians, we watch, and we think we're okay. But he's long gone. Long gone. So if I think about things like this, and the Lord said, what do you want me to do? I said, Lord, I... I want to be so in tune, I want to be so sensitive, I want to live a life that the dove will sit and stay and remain and not even move around or just flap the wings, just, just be there. He said, okay my child, I will teach you how to live that way and I will give it to you and it will stay with you and, and it will abide with you, but now I've given that to you and you've, you, you've got that and, and 
What else do you want me to do for you? What is the deepest longing from your heart? And so I think this commotion from the voice that spoke, and I think the dove that came down and sat, and people talk about this and say, Hey, did you see this, what happened in, Jer- in Jericho at the Jordan River? And who is this man? And they said, Oh, but this is Jesus Christ from Nazareth. But who is he? So when you go to Israel today, and, and back in those days, and if you would talk and say, But this is Francois from South Africa, and they say, But this is Jesus from Nazareth, and they would ask the question, But who is he? Then they would go and look at the genealogy of Jesus and where does this man come from? Then they would say, if you look at this, they would say, but, but, but Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. So, so Jesus is the son of Joseph. So, but who's Joseph? Oh no, Joseph is the son of Jacob. But who's Jacob? Jacob is the son of Matan. And who's Matan? Matan is the son of Eliaser. Who's Eliaser from Iliad from? And so we go up. And then they come to this place just before the Babylonian captivity. And they see, but, but he was the son of a man called Jehonia. That were carried away in the Babylonian captivity because of sin. So, so this man probably came back from the Jordan River. Because he heard the commotion, he asked the questions, and they talk about this, and he's so excited about this, and he started to do his homework, and the homework was to find out who's this man, and he said, okay, but this is the son of Joseph, he comes from Nazareth, and, and he's the son of Jacob, and he's the son of Matat, and he went all the way down of Matan, and he came to this place called Jehonia before the captivity. And then he realized something, that Jesus is in the lineage of Jehonia. Who's Jehonia? And the way up to David and then to Adam. But who's Jehonia? He was the last king before the Babylonian captivity. And you can read about this in the book of Jeremiah chapter 22. And you can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 23. And because of time I will not do that this morning. But if you look at Jeremiah chapter 22 for instance. The Bible speaks about this. And God says in verse 24. As I live says the Lord. Though Honia the son of Jehoram. Jehoram. King of Judah, with the signet of my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. God said this man was so close to him, but because of his sin, I will send him away. And then there was the Babylonian captivity. He was a young man who went in captivity with his mother and his wives and, and all the children since then were born in captivity and following that. What is the point I want to make? This man did his homework. He came to the place where he saw, but Jesus is, is from the lineage of this man. In fact, he's supposed to be a king because the first line becomes the ruler and the first line becomes the king and becomes the next king. And So he realized that Jesus is a king just without a palace and money. Because Joseph is supposed to be a king as a carpenter but without a palace and money. Jacob, his father, is supposed to be king without a palace and money. And so we can go up because they lost the palace in the Babylonian captivity. He's a king. And in that moment, he realized that Jesus is a king. And in his heart, there's a desire And a longing from that very moment, if he can only just be 
in contact and see Jesus once again. Why? Because a king can change your life. You know, it's the only passage in Mark where Jesus is called the son of David twice. The only passage in the whole gospel of Mark. It means Messiah. But a friend of mine in South Africa, his name is Christu. He's a, he's a pharmacist. And I, I spoke in his church and, and his town called Kusi Bay in South Africa a number of times. He's way to the east coast and way up east and north on the border of Mozambique a number of times. And that's the famous area of what we call Zululand in South Africa. Because one of our states in South Africa is called Natal. It, basically, it's the area of the Zulus in South Africa. We have a king there, a Zulu king. And he has ten small, he has children and nephews and things like that, which become part of the family. And so what they have done is they've divided Zululand into ten little areas, and they made them all mini-kings, princes but mini-kings. And, and Christus is living in one of those areas. And one morning, one of these kings walked into his drugstore, the pharmacist, and asked him if he could help him with his wife because he's sick. So he looked at the wife and he gave him a, a pill to drink, a tablet. And so he came back a few days later and his wife was healed because they had gone through all various places in South Africa, but they couldn't be healed. And, but he just gave them something to drink. So this man came back and said, listen, my wife is healed. What can I do for you? He said, no, I just did my job. He said, no, 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 no. What can I do for you? And then he said, by the way, now that you ask, there's a small piece of land just outside town that has a beautiful view over a lake. I would love to build a house there and, and live there. Can I buy this? Because the land belongs to the king. And so he looked at him and said, you don't have to buy this. And he gave it to him as a gift. A king can change your life. He can give you money. He can give you land. He can give you all kinds of things. In this moment, this man with a commotion at the, at the Jordan River and, and heard about this Jesus from Nazareth that has taken place and now Jesus has left. And, but he started doing his homework and as he was studying and reading and, and doing research and asking people because he cannot see, they found out that this man is coming from, from Galilee, from Nazareth, and he's the son of Joseph and from Jacob and from Atan and way up to Honia, who was the last king before the captivity. And in his heart, only one longing and desire. If I can only see him one more time. Because then he can speak to me and he can touch me and he can change my life. Every day I've got the need to eat food and to drink and a place to sleep because I'm a beggar. But in the deepest desire from my heart is only the longing to be with Jesus one more time. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Lord, I need finances to pay my bills. There it is. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to live a long and a healthy life to be with my family and grandkids. There it is, my child. I will take you into the old age. And, but now you've got that. What do you want me to do for you? You see, that question has been asked by the Holy Spirit that's living in your heart because He creates the hunger and the thirst because He's growing inside from a spiritual infant to become a mature believer in Jesus because His job is to change us and transform us into the image. He's the one creating the longing and desire. 
to have more of Christ. And then one day he's just sitting there, begging as normal and usual. And then there's the commotion and there's a crowd of people and, and he cannot see. And he said, what is happening in this place? And he said, but Jesus of Nazareth have walked past this place again. He said, oh, I've been waiting for this for so long. And he just cries out. But look what he says. He doesn't say, Jesus of Nazareth, help me. He said, Jesus, son of David, king. Messiah. I've been waiting for this for so long. And then they said, just keep quiet. He said, no, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus, son of David. And so Jesus just stood still. He stood, Jesus stood still, verse 49, and commanded him to be called. Look at verse 50. And then throwing aside his garment... Probably his only jacket that keeps him warm in the winter, the summer. His only belonging, his jacket. Throws it off. And just run to Jesus. And then this question. What do you want me to do for you today? Strange question, isn't it? Lord, don't you see that I cannot see? He knew that. But he still asked the question. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? I need money. I know that. Let me give you some. I need help. I know that. Let me give you some. But you see, he sees the heart. When Jesus was praying in the mountain... His father told him in John chapter 6, he said, Son, you have to be very careful because people will start to follow you for the bread that they have eaten, not because of the miracles. Jesus, you need to be very careful, the father says. People will start to follow you because of what you can give to them and not because of who you are, the creator of the universe. What do you want me to do for you? Look at the man's answer. Not that, Lord, can't you see? But that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, go away. Your faith has made you well. If he would come to you today and ask you the same question, Francois, what do you want me to do for you? And let's just be honest, the temptation will be there today depending on where I find myself and what is my immediate emergencies and circumstance and is to talk about that first. And, and as I was praying before I came, I said, Lord, in South Africa now, the temptation will be to go through my bucket list and my need list and all the stuff that needs to happen in South Africa and my life and my family and my ministry and But I know why you ask this question. So I want to bypass this. And I want to go to the core of why you ask me this question. Here in my heart is a longing that I may know you. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, he said, This is that I may know you.
Moses said to God in Exodus chapter 33, he said, please do not go away from me, but if I found favor, let me know you. Look what Jesus is saying in John chapter 17. Let me read this to you. When Jesus spoke that, he said, Father, the hour now has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give them eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then listen. And this eternal life is that they may know you. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent to know him intimately. Intimately. You know, when I think about Chonya and this man doing his homework, I realized that the sin of Chonya was the reason eventually why they had to leave the palace apart from the Babylonian captivity. That we as parents, our walk with God can sometimes determine what happens in the lives of our kids and grandkids. That's a scary thought. He could have grew up in a palace with money as a prince. But they did not. So who is Joseph? He's a carpenter from Nazareth. No. He's a prince with no money. Who is Jesus? He's a king. And this man, with all his needs, have come to the place where there was only one desire in his heart and that is just to be with Jesus one more time who puts that desire within your heart who creates that longing it is the Holy Spirit that puts it here and then when the moment arrived if we have done our homework Jesus would stood still and he would look at you today if he would walk through that door today in this sanctuary and look at you today and say what do you want me to do for you and we know that you and I will have this short term desires and bucket list and needing list and that's okay he knows that even but he will give that to you and go beyond that because he wants to get to this place he longs to have a life changing intimate love relationship where we can get to know him so intimately so he stood still and asked us and said come but then something needs to happen he said throwing aside his garment he rose and came to Jesus sometimes you and I have to come to the place where we can take off the garment. Those things that keeps us busy and keeps us distracted and keeps us away from so much more. Our lives are filled with things. Most of these stuff that we have today is time wasters. One day I was with a friend and I look at in his house and I find four or five or six televisions inside and I ask him and his question was simply the following his answer was simply the following he said it's a matter of opportunity 
because it's so cheap to buy this in Walmart. Nothing wrong with having a television, but spending three, four, five, six hours, or on the mobile phone four, five, six hours, but don't have time to sit and to get to know him. It's time to overthrow the garments that keeps us back. Because here in the inner circle from your heart, the Holy Spirit has come to live right here. And now we're busy with so many stuff around us and we pray and go to church and we work and we do evangelism and the Great Commission and everything is there. But here in the center of the little onion, hide hidden behind all these layers, there's a little heartbeat it wants to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But somehow, this garment prevents him from doing that. Inside is a longing from the Spirit of God to somehow get out and connect with that beautiful, 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 marvelous connection with the Father and the Son. Who's inside here anyway? But somehow it's not getting bigger. And so as I was praying, the Lord said, let's just bypass the layers. Let's go to the center. What is your deepest, deepest? Lord, is for you to change my husband. Okay, I've got that. He's changed. You'll see him change next few weeks. It's fine. What's next? What is in your heart? Lord, that I will be successful in my business. Oh, you've got this. Lord, that I will see my grandchildren. You've got this. What is that? He has come to lift up the Lord Jesus and that we can know Him. All this is homework and preparation time. We've heard about Jesus of Nazareth. We've come to the point Easter weekend to realize but He's the Messiah, He's the Son of David, He's the Son of God. He's the crucified one, He's the anointed one. And here, the Holy Spirit that's sitting here is just pumping and creating a hunger and a longing and desire and somehow to get out of all these things that prevent Him from doing so that He can come out in His glory and, and help you make that connection to get to know Him. Really know Him. But this jacket. I'm closing. My time is finished. There was a man. His name is Joe. His surname was Church. Dr. Joe Church. He was a, a British medical doctor. And he was sent to do mission work in, in Africa. And he finds himself in a mission station called Gahini. Um, in Rwanda. But then in the year of 1928 from the month of June through September there was a tremendous drought in the northern parts of Uganda. And so people start to leave because of the drought and there's no food and there's no water and so they cross over the border and, and he said that, that sometimes there was almost like a thousand people coming through the mission station on the way to a place where they can find food. And some were dying outside and just lying in the fields and crawling and just died at the mission station because of the drought. And 
So he helped them day by day, almost like a thousand people. And towards the end of September, he was so tired of helping people. Reading the Bible, studying, still leading Bible studies, that was he was doing. But in his heart, he has become tired. And in his heart, there was a longing, just a longing for a freshness. Just a fresh touch and just a fresh anointing and just a fresh encounter with him. And so he took off from the mission station and go to a place called Entebbe, which is uh, in Kampala, a place called the Namerembe Hill in Uganda. Just take a break for a few days, three, four, five days, just to go away. I had the privilege to speak there a few years ago. But as he was making his way Sunday morning to the church, just like you guys made your way here this morning, he bumped into a black man. His name is Simeon. His surname was in Zabambi. And he met him in the month of March before the drought, and he was teaching in a Bible study about holiness. And, and so he met him. They had a brief conversation, and he left. And, but as he walked to the church, he bumped into Simeon that morning. And he asked, what are you doing here? And, and Dr. Church said the following. He said, I am so tired because of what has happened. I just have one desire and a longing in my soul. Just to sit and to reconnect. And just to have a fresh infilling of his spirit and himself in my heart. That's my desire. So that's why I came. And so Simeon told him, I have the same desire. And so they met on Monday morning in a place where they were staying together. And, and they opened the Bible. They said, we opened the Schofield Bible. And we spent the whole day looking at every verse that the Bible can refer to in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. So we saw something about the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And we look at the verses and then the work of the Spirit and look at the verses and then... All the stuff about the Holy Spirit. We look at every verse. Just read through this together. And at the end of the day, he said, we kneel together at the bed. The two of us kneeling together. And we confess every nonsense we can think about. And just throwing these things off, he says. And then ask God that he would just please fill us afresh and anew with himself. The longing from our hearts. And so the next day he went back to Rwanda and carry on with the mission work and the mission station as a medical doctor. A few weeks later, somebody came to him and said, what in the world have you done with Simeon in Zimbabwe? He said, what do you mean? He said, Simeon went back from that weekend retreat spraying with you and he sold his vehicle, he sold his car, his house and he resigned from his job and he started to walk in the streets and knocking in the doors of all the homes and asking him the question, are you saved and born again? But you must remember now the background. The churches was filled with prosperity. They were growing, but there were racial tension and feelings between the, the people and there were bad habits and sins and they were backsliding and people returning to polygamy and all kinds of things that happened inside the church in that time. And so he knocked on the doors and he looked at the lives of Christian people and asked him a question, are you saved? 
Not to be born again to accept Christ as your Savior for the first time, but he's looking at those that knows and profess Jesus as Savior. And he asked them, are you saved? And so they got this nickname called Balekole. It is the saved ones that make the difference. It is the saved ones that will make the difference. Balekole, Balekole, Balekole. That was the moment of the birth of the East African revival that took place. That's spread over seven nations in East Africa. That becomes this motto from not I, but Christ, eventually. The saved ones. But you see, there was a moment in his life that there was in his heart a desire and a longing just to be with him and to have a fresh encounter. Because he knew that if he meets with Jesus, and the spirit of truth that he will be revived and restored and receive new energy and whatever he needs in that moment. If Jesus would ask him the question in Uganda that morning, Simeon and Joe, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I just want to be with you. Fresh today. He said, there it is. So I am closing. I need to ask you this morning. If Jesus Christ himself was here today. And he looked you in the eye this morning and he asked you, what do you want me to do for you? Some of you might look him in the eye and say, Lord, you know. There's a fighting and bickering and conflict in my home between me and my husband, my wife, my kids. They're rebellious. There's an atmosphere we haven't spoken properly in the last couple of days. That might be the need from the hour. Then he said, listen, I can help you with that. But then even then, throw off the garment and come to me. And let me help you. But maybe you, you might be the source of the, the conflict and the friction. It's time for you to acknowledge that and to confess that. And then go fix it. So you have to get up, he says, and come. And take off the things that hinders you to receive what you long for. Lord, I, I need finances to pay my bills tomorrow. He said, I can help you, but... You need to become honest and confess your, your helplessness and, and relinquish your own way of doing things and let me be in control. And, and maybe because the need of your finances is because you haven't really budgeted and you've got other problems that you have to get rid of. You spend money on so many stuff that we can get rid of this and that we can fix this. So let me help you. Become honest where you are. And even as we come to this place and we got the health and the finances and we got the help that we need and the provision and all the stuff is there. He will even go beyond this in the future. Because inside here he's, boom, he's pumping. He's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It's not just to bless us. It's to help us to get to know him. Know him. Know him. Know him. 
Don't go through the motions of Christianity and prayer and church. But to be so in tune and sensitive and contact. And as I look to see the dove sitting, remaining sensitive at peace. Not gone. Right here. You can test it today when you go back home. Put on the TV and watch a movie on Netflix with profanity inside. And sex. And see what happens here. He might be long gone before you know it. So Father, when I look at that moment, God spoke to me. He said, Franco, what do you want me to do for you? I said, Lord, you know all about my life. Everything I need. But this is what I want. That's my longing. I want to know. He said, then throw it off. Your concerns, your anxiety, your doubts. Get up in the morning, spend time with me, change your schedule. And I will do that for you. So let me ask you something. What do you want Jesus to do for you today? I know there's the immediate needs. But you still have to come to become honest. But when that is finished, your husband is fixed, the kitchen is back at home, the bills is paid, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, fill the church with people, bring them back after COVID, done. They will be filled next Sunday. So what's next? We bring, need more people for Sunday school teaching and need a pastor. It's finished. There it is. What do you want? I just want to be with you. I just want to know you. That's the pumping of the Spirit's job. Let us pray together. Father, I can just imagine this man sitting in Jericho. Just waking up this morning as he has waked up yesterday morning. Putting on his clothing and his garment and making his way from the place he was staying. Maybe a shack alongside the road or just sleeping in the bush. Or maybe somebody led him from the place he was staying to go to his corner sitting. Where he has been sitting for the last couple of days and weeks every day. Just a normal day, just like yesterday. Hoping for someone to put a coin in his hand. A piece of bread. Maybe just a touch on the shoulder and move on. And as he was sitting there, suddenly, he heard the commotion of the crowd. And, and as he asked the question to the people next to him, what's happening? They said, but Jesus of Nazareth is here. Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. Oh, the son of David. Crying out. 
and his life was changed by the King of Kings. And Father, even today as we are together, we have wake up this morning just as we have waken up every day the last few days with needs and desires and longings and maybe an emergency or two or even a crisis and sometimes a challenge or a problems and a difficulty of life that we face and deep down in our hearts the Holy Spirit have started to create a longing for those immediate needs but even beyond that to go beyond that to be peeled like an onion and as we sit here today and listen and worship together and suddenly you show up and you ask the question what do you want me to do for you Lord that I can see that my life can change that I can get the wisdom, the guidance, the victory over sin, addictions and Jesus said according to your faith your desire, your longing for me let it be so and then the Bible just simply said and then he followed Jesus and wherever he go people will see and they watch him and see that he can see that his life was changed. Or is just that, that verse of scripture in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 that people recognize the disciples, fishermen, uneducated, unlearned, but that they had been with Jesus. And Lord, even today, when you ask the question, we would be willing to take off the garment and to get up and become honest and walk to you with the faith in the heart to hold on to you to give what we so long for and even beyond that the peace, the joy, the strength, the power, the victory and as we leave following you people will see that something has happened that changed but as you ask the question you want us to be honest and to acknowledge those things that we have to throw off the garments and get up and come to you. And Father, even this morning, you know exactly what is happening in the life of each and every one of us. You know about the desire and the dream that you've placed within our hearts, the longing for more. But you also know about those things, Lord, that we carry with us and somehow that withholds us and holds us back. And, and you want us to become honest and just get up and throw it off and trust you to provide and to do the impossible. And so I wonder this morning as we are together, in closing our time together just right where you are just take a brief moment and become quiet and forget about the time and we are almost finished and, and what's happening around us at the moment and just see yourself in Jericho this morning 
And Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, is just walking past you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that can change everything in your life in a moment. He's just slowly walking before you and past you. Just take a moment. And whatever your need is this morning or your desire, just stop and cry out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. And become honest and say, Lord, I struggle with this sin or this problem or this unbelief. Please help me. And just become honest and take that step of faith and trust Him to touch your heart and your need and your desire and, and reach out to Him by faith as you pray to Him in this moment. Because Jesus is standing before you and asking you, what do you want me to do for you? So let's just take a moment of quiet prayer right where you are and reach out. Almost like that hymn that we sang so often, reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find Him not too busy to hear your heart's cry. So reach out. And if there's nothing that will hold you or hinder you, just cry out and say, Lord, more. I want to know you. Even beyond that I know at the moment. Teach me, guide me. Fill my heart. This longing to be with you. And you pray that. We're going to sing a song together. I'd rather have Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing. I know many of you have made an answer to that question where you are. Maybe you'd like to respond. I'm going to ask Pastor Ken to come to the front if you need to speak with him. And the altar is open as always. Let's, let's sing together. I'd rather be His 
than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand than to be this weekend as we've experienced our time with Francois we've understood the difference of being a Christian and a disciple and a laborer in the field what is it that you would have Jesus do for you today and which of those categories do you fit in and would you like to move to the next 
If so, would you let Pastor Ken or Joey or myself know that so that we can talk with you further? We would love to. I'm with Joey and Shannon to make their way to the desk. If you're visiting with us today for the first time or the first time in a long while and you'd like to know more about what we're about, um, he's going to be out there. They're going to be, he, he teaches PS 101, which teaches you all about who we are and what we're doing here. And we'd love to have you to be our part of it. I'm going to ask my wife to go to the, um, the, the book table out there. Uh, Francois has a material out there. You can see the prices. Please pick some of those up. If you would pick up the book, The Call, and Carol, there's some more in the, bags there beside the welcome desk when on Wednesday nights when our group finishes the replicate series that we're in right now we're going to the call that's what we're doing next but that's not just a so many week thing and we'll talk about that as as we begin so I hope that you'll do that also there's some men at the doors today if you have brought your offerings today that they're there to receive your offerings and then there's black boxes as you go out through the portico if you're more comfortable placing them there. But today we have a unique opportunity to give and to speak into a worldwide ministry. And that's the ministry of Francois. So I'm going to ask you to dig deep today. Dig deep. If you if you came with just a dollar to give, I want you to give it. There's those offering envelopes. Make sure you mark it Francois Carr. You can make out the check if you're making it to this church, and we'll make we'll write one check for that. But make sure that it tells that it's for Francois Carr. So you have the regular offering and the special love offering. Do you understand? This means yes. This means I'm not so sure. If you're not sure, ask Pastor Ken. He can tell you all about it. Pastor Ken, would you dismiss us in prayer? Father, thank you for you. Lord, today I've just been so thankful for the reminder of how important, God, your word is to me. And I pray, God, your word become very important to us as a church. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would wrestle with that question today. Lord, that you would ask us, what could you do for us? Lord, I'm afraid that for some of us in this room today, Lord, that's not an easy question to answer. And I pray, God, that you will just, Lord, continue to ask us, help us to think, to pray, to be honest with you. Lord, I pray that our pride would not get in the way. But God, we would be so incredibly honest with you. And that, Lord, you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, we love you, we bless you, we praise you. And we ask this today in Jesus' name.